Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. People reject forgiveness because they don't really think that they're bad. And that's the deception. And it's because they refuse to believe that they need it, that they cannot obtain the forgiveness that's available. And so they then must die with a debt they'll be paying for eternity. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of Mark. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Mark, chapter 3, verses 28 through 30, in a message titled, The Unpardonable Sin. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Like I said, simply, if you're concerned about it, you did not do it. Because the one who has done it has no concern. Now, moving on to our third and, and final point here. In the very context itself, Jesus, he references eternal condemnation. He says, but the person who blasphemes against the spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. Jesus said that hell is real and that people will go there. When Jesus speaks of eternal condemnation, that's what he's talking about. Condemnation, a synonym for condemnation is judgment. He's talking about eternal judgment. So Jesus Christ believed that hell was a real place. Jesus believed it. So if you don't believe in hell, then know this. You disregard what Jesus said. Or you think Jesus was wrong. And listen, there are people that think that. There's plenty of people that think that. But there are even people in the church who think that. You know, there's a big move in the church to really just disassociate from the idea of hell. And there's a ton of pressure on people who would, you know, really believe the Bible to reject the idea that there is such a place as hell. But know this, if you reject it, you reject a place that Jesus actually believed to be a real place. Uh, some people would say, well, Jesus, you know, he was uninformed. I mean, he, you know, he lived a long time ago. They didn't know a lot of stuff back then. Well, who knows more about hell today than they would have known back then? You know, where's the research? How did they, how did they figure out there's no hell? It's wishful thinking. Some say, well, you know, Jesus just accommodated his generation. People thought there was a hell, so Jesus said, okay, I don't want to spoil their, you know, mess things up for them, so I'm just going to go along with it. Well, you know, if, if that's who Jesus is, we, we got a big problem. I don't, I don't think Jesus did that at all. Jesus here makes reference to eternal condemnation. So what is hell? Well, it's a place of judgment. And it's described in various ways in the Bible. On the one hand, it's described as outer darkness. In another, other places, it's, de it's described as fire. It's described as unquenchable fire. Some people say, well, right there, we know it's not a real place because it can't be fire and darkness because you know if you have a fire, it's not dark, it's light. So that's a problem. Well, I don't know that that's really a problem, but let's just say that it is a problem. 
it very well could be that these are simply metaphors. But they're metaphors of something real. And what they are really metaphorically referring to is a place of unimaginable anguish and pain. That's what hell is. Hell is finally, and I I personally think this is the best way to understand and think about hell. Hell is finally separation from the glory and goodness of God with no hope of ever reversing the state. See, that's what it is. It's, It's really, in the end, it's separation from God. God says to those who have revolted against him, he says, depart from me, I never knew you. So it's, it's being cast out of the presence of God. Now, some people hearing that might think, well, good, that's fine. I don't want to be in the presence of that God anyway. So that's perfectly fine with me. You know, some people erroneously think that hell is the party place. It's the fun place. And heaven's the place where you go if you're just boring and stuffy and old-fashioned. And all your friends and all the cool people in history are going to be in hell. That's where I want to go. Delusional. Hell is separation from the glory and goodness of God. You see, everything we know, every bit of goodness that we know about it is because of God so separation from God means that all good things are removed from you forever all good things now you know some people say you know forget this idea of hell man we're in hell now earth is hell and there are definitely some hellish places on earth no doubt about it No doubt about it. But even in the most hellish place, there's still something good that can be found. There's still a glimmer. It it might be the smallest little ray of of hope, but, but it's there. But you see, hell, it's not there. It's absent from there, and it's absent from there forever. And so hell is separation from the glory and the goodness of God. Now, again, many today would say, I don't believe in a God who would cast people into hell. I refuse to believe in a God. And this, is, this rhetoric is ratcheted up you know, pretty high these days. I mean, people, you know, where people might have felt this way in times past, people are much more free these days to just say it. They've been emboldened. They've been inspired by, you know, certain people in the culture, you know, some of the outspoken atheists to just mock and ridicule and, and, you know, just the, the very idea that there would be a God who would cast people into hell. But you know, I, I honestly think that people say things and even hold views that they haven't totally thought through. Really, seriously. So let's, let's think through this. So a person says, I absolutely refuse to believe that there's a God who would cast people into hell. So I want to ask you this question. Do you believe in a judge who would send a criminal to prison? Is, is there any crime for which a person should be sentenced to prison? I would imagine that everyone would say, well, yes, of course there are. Well, let me take it a step further. Do you believe in a judge who would sentence a criminal to death? 
Now, for some people say, well, well I don't know, I, that, that's bad. But look, I, think, I think that everyone who has any genuine sense of justice would at a certain point concede that yes, certain people deserve to be put to death. So here's the question then. Why is it so hard to believe that there is a God who is also a judge who holds people accountable for their actions? Why is that hard to believe? I think if all we have to do is just take the next step. If we believe in justice here in this world, and if justice never prevails, if justice is never brought forth, we feel robbed, cheated, that's wrong, they got away with it. Why would we think that that same thing wouldn't apply in the life to come? Now, you see, because if there's no God and no hell, then people like Hitler and people like Joseph Stalin and people like Mao Zedong and every other criminal dictator murderer that's ever lived, if there is no future judgment, those guys basically got away with killing, murdering untold millions of people. So you might think they got away with it. I don't. I just simply refuse to believe that. I believe that they had to answer. Just like Eichmann had to answer to the Jewish people, those men, they have to answer to God. And I think just logic itself, clear reasoning itself, would, would tell us that, yes, of course that has to happen. Because we can't live in, in, a, in a world of injustice. Now, everybody has a different idea of what justice is. You know, some people have the idea that justice is based on right and wrong that are rooted in the biblical understanding of what right and wrong are. And, and people are convinced and convicted about that. And I am that very much. But, you know, other people reject the Bible. They reject the morality of Scripture. They, in a sense, you know, they say anyway that they reject any absolute truth. They say everything's all relative. But the very people that say that, they are very passionate about certain issues and they're enraged that there's no justice in regard to those issues. So they really do believe in, in injustice. It's just, it's different it's different topics that they're passionate about. But, they, but we, my point is this, we, we all have that in us. And so why do we have that? Well, the Bible says we're created in the image of God. So if we have that, if we understand that there is such a thing as justice, if we ourselves are disturbed at injustice, then why would we ever think for a moment that that, that wouldn't be the case with God as well? You see, Jesus says it is the case. Now, those who struggle with a God who sends people to hell, I think there's a few things they fail to grasp, and they're major things. Number one, they fail to grasp the holiness and righteousness of God. You see, God, the Bible says God is holy, which means, you know, the idea is purity, but the word actually means, it means other. So God is so much other than us. We are sinners, all of us, 
we're sinners. God is other than us. He, he's not like that. And because we're sinners, even though we might be passionate against certain sins, you know, we're, we're kind of easy on some other sins. The ones that we struggle with ourselves, we tend to have compassion on people who struggle with those things. The ones we don't struggle with, it's like, put them to death. Get rid of them. But, oh, no, leave those, leave those guys because, you know, I kind of got that issue myself. So, see, God doesn't have that. God is light. In him is no darkness. There is no darkness. He's holy and he's righteous. Everything God does is right. It's all right. So that's number one. Secondly, the other thing we fail to recognize is the sinfulness and evil of man. You know, let's face it. We just don't really think we're that bad. We really don't. I remember like 30 years ago, you know, thinking about these things and preaching on these things. And there's a doctrine that we would call the depravity of man, which is the doctrine that says, you know, we're all essentially evil. And, and I remember looking around at times and thinking, you know, well, I don't know. Everybody seems pretty decent, you know? I mean, you, certainly you could think of some examples of really bad people. I just named a few of them a moment ago. And you, you could think of others. Maybe they didn't commit mass murder, but they you know, wrecked havoc on humanity and so forth. So, you know, we, we would kind of say, well, yeah, you know, there are some sinful, evil people, but most people are pretty good. But let's fast forward 30 years. Here we are today. Guess what? Wow, we're starting to realize that, wow, there's a lot more evil in people than I ever imagined. And if we're honest with ourselves, we're realizing, well, there's a lot more evil in me than I ever imagined. See, the reality is, we're a lot more sinful than we'd ever want to believe. God said to the prophet Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful above everything. It is desperately wicked, desperately wicked, incurably sick. And then he asked this question, who can know it? And then he says, I, the Lord, search the heart. The implication is you can't even know how evil you are. I can't even know the depth of my own depravity. I think I'm bad. I'm, I, I'm way worse than I actually think I am. That's the reality. It's true. We underestimate the evil in our own hearts. And so we think there couldn't be a hell. Why would there be a hell? Because people are basically good. No, people are not basically good. And we're seeing that more and more. The third and final thing is that we fail to grasp the suffering and the death of Christ. And so if I look at Jesus with disdain, if I look at Jesus with indifference, if I look at Jesus and think, why would I need that? He's the one who was punished in my place. So I wouldn't have to be punished. And to reject him is the greatest crime in the universe. And the greatest crime calls for a great punishment. See, people don't realize that. Oh, rejecting Christ. What's that? Who's Christ? It doesn't matter. Trampling underfoot the Son of God. It's the greatest crime in the universe to reject the Son of God who, out of love, gave his life as a sacrifice for you and took your sins and my sins upon himself. To reject that, that's the highest crime in the universe. Now, as we close... The unforgivable sin, then, again, is to reject the forgiver who bore the punishment for your sin and my sin. 
That, that's the unforgivable sin. You see, how can I be forgiven if I'm re- rejecting the forgiver? I, I can only be forgiven through this means. So if I'm rejecting the means, then it's, it's an unforgivable sin because there's, the way to have it forgiven is through the blood of Jesus. Now, here's a question though. Why would someone reject forgiveness? You know, think about that. So God comes and he says, uh, I'm going to forgive you. I love you. I'm going to forgive you. Now, you would think that we would all just say, oh, thank you, God. That is so kind of you. That's so gracious of you. You're going to forgive us. Oh, that's wonderful. Why would somebody reject forgiveness? There's only one reason why. And that's because they don't think they need to be forgiven. See, that's the, that's the problem. I'm not that bad. I'm a pretty good person. Well, I understand that, they, you know, they probably need to be forgiven. But, you know, I mean, I might be, need to be forgiven a little bit. But, but I'm, I'm, this is the problem. People reject forgiveness because they don't really think that they're bad. And that's the deception. The heart is deceitful. See, we, we deceive ourselves. And that's what happens. People deceive themselves. And... It's because they refuse to believe that they need it, that they cannot obtain the forgiveness that's available, and so they then must die with a debt they'll be paying for eternity. It's an eternal debt, and eternity never ends. The debt never ends. The debt can never be paid. It's a horrible fate that no one ever need face because of the gospel. It's a horrible fate. It's a real thing. But no one ever need face it because of what Jesus did. So if, we, if, we, if that becomes our fate, it becomes our fate because we refuse to believe that we needed forgiveness. Now, I want to just do one more thing before we close here. I want to address one more thing. So someone says, you know, I just don't believe any of this stuff. I don't believe this. I don't believe there's a God. I don't believe there's a hell. I I just flat out don't believe it, period. I'm not going to believe it. Okay, I want to ask you this. Do you believe you're going to die? No, I don't believe it. Well, you are. (laughs) It's a fact, right? But seriously, do you believe you're going to die? Okay, let's say you can see, yeah, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going to ask you this question. Why are you going to die? Why are you going to die? And I'm not asking this from a medical standpoint. I'm asking it from a philosophical standpoint. Why is there even death itself? Why does death exist? You know, nobody's ever been able to answer that question. No philosopher has answered it. No school of philosophy has answered it. It is still a massive problem. And the way that a lot of people try to get around the problem is just to try to normalize it. Well, you know, it's just, death is just what it is. And, you know, it's just part of life. And, you know, people say that when they're not dying or they don't have somebody close to them that's dying. But the reality is when somebody close to you dies or when you get a diagnosis that you're going to die, you don't want to die. 
You don't want to die. Now, some people want to die because they think dying is a deliverance from the torment they're in right now. Some people kill themselves and so forth. Uh, but that's a, a, a very small number of people. Most people don't want to die. And they don't think fondly of death. And regardless of how much effort has been put in by the atheistic community or who, whoever else you know, promotes these kind of ideas, like don't worry about it, death's cool, it's good, it's not a problem. I don't know, personally know anybody that's walking around going, well, you know, I'm going to die pretty soon and that's, you know, that's going to be cool. You know, I haven't died yet and I've been living a long time and I'm just kind of looking forward to the next thing, you know, to see what happens. Who do you know that's doing that? I don't know anybody that's doing that because the truth is nobody is doing that because everybody's living with a fear of death and everybody lives with a sense like, you know, this really shouldn't happen. Everybody lives with that. Everybody lives with that sense. This shouldn't happen. Why? Well, the answer is the reason why death exists itself is the answer. Because the Bible says, the Bible is the only place where you get an answer for why there's death. The Bible says death came because of sin. And you know, there is no other satisfactory explanation. The Bible tells us death came because of sin. And death is a reality. It's an inescapable reality. So since that is a reality that the Bible says sin is the reason for death and that's why we die physically, the Bible also says sin is the reason for eternal death. So if we can see and experience and believe and know that the one is true, the logical next step would, to say, would be to say the other must be true as well. And so, we die because of sin. We physically die because of sin. We eternally die because of a refusal to take the remedy for sin, which is the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. And so Jesus warns about the one and only unforgivable sin. It is the sin of rejecting him. That is the one and only reason. All other sin will be forgiven. All other sin. Whatever you've done, no matter how dark and vile and evil and wicked it's been, it, it's all forgivable. I was talking to a friend actually this week and in conversation, he said, I committed my first homicide when I was 13 years old. And now that person is forgiven and they're, they did their prison and you know, they did all of that and, 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 and they love Jesus and, and have received that forgiveness of sin. But that's, that's the depth of the forgiveness that the blood of Christ provides. All sin can be forgiven. The only one that can't is the sin of rejecting the forgiver. And so that's what Jesus warned them about. And that's what we need to consider today. All sin is forgivable. The only one that isn't is to reject the forgiver. The forgiver, of course, is Christ. And the gospel is that God sent Jesus to die in our place so our sins could be forgiven, so we could be reconciled to him, and so we could know him and live with him 
forever, eternally. That's the good news. Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Another Gospel by Elisa Childers. Deconstructed faith stories are being celebrated in our culture today. Abuse in the church, dismissed doubts, legalism, and suffering are only a handful of factors that are leading Christians to question their faith. In her book, Another Gospel, Elisa Childers shares her own journey of doubt and struggle that led her to re-examine her own faith and ultimately overcome the challenges of her faith. In this book, she battles progressive Christianity with evidence, insight, and clarity. To learn how to combat and survive the onslaught of progressive Christianity, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order another gospel by Elisa Childers. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of Mark. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.